All right. Welcome everyone back to squeezing the juice. We have a super special episode that I am excited about. Um, my name is Kim Woozy. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the hosts of the show and I am joined here with AK and Nirvana. Welcome to squeezing the juice. Thanks for having us, Kim. Yes. Thank you. Super stoked to have you. Um, to kick things off, just, uh, wanted to shout out Cole headwear. Um, this hat that I'm wearing, I've been living in coal hats this summer. Uh, I've been rocking the ponytail because masks are easier to wear when your hair is not all on your face. Skate like a girl, the organization I work for, uh, has partnered with coal. They've donated beanies. It's just a rod company. Um, and coal helped me get out to the event and helped make it happen. So just a big shout out to them. Um, definitely check out their hats and their beanies and their masks. Um, great company. It's like a small snowboarder founded brand and I'm a fan. So just thank you, Cole. Thank you, Matt and Will for helping to make it happen. So now without further ado, I want to jump into our check-in question. So we always do a check-in question on squeezing the juice just to get, you know, like warmed up. So I want to ask you both. Our check-in question is what's your favorite food to eat with soy sauce? Oh, (laughs) It's a tough one, but we are looking for one answer here. Recently? Sure. And it can be anything. Yeah, it's like sushi, number one. That's uh, a generic answer, but it's the best answer in my opinion. That's a tough I mean, also, it's hard to imagine eating sushi without soy sauce. So, right. Right. Sometimes I've been like, if there wasn't soy sauce available for some reason, I'm like, don't even want to eat this sushi right now. A close second was fried rice. I just had some really good fried rice. And, nice. Uh, yeah. Are yes. you a wasabi person? Like, yeah. do you do wasabi and sushi or and soy sauce together? Yeah, just a little bit, you okay. know, a, l- a little dab, you know. But, a little dab. Uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Not overkill. No. Some people go crazy with wasabi. There's like more wasabi than soy sauce. And I'm like, okay, I don't want my eyeballs to fall out. So, um, how, okay. How about you, Nirvana favorite food to eat with soy sauce? I was, I was going to say super, uh, I'm super basic. I just like it with, with white rice. <laughs> nice. Can't go wrong. Yeah. And the eggs, but nice. You, okay. you already took my answer with sushi. So that was a close second. Nice. All right. I think I'm going to go with like dumplings, like mm. either steamed or fried or pan fried, like either way. My grandpa actually used to make. So when he moved to America, he didn't, he was like learning English and didn't have like a ton of job opportunities. So he would make dumplings like, and he would freeze them and then sell them to like friends, family, restaurants, even kind of. So like at one point when he had like the height of his like small business, I guess, um, in the summers when like they would babysit me. I would help them make dumplings. <laughs> so we're like mass producing them. He had like a industrial like freezer in the, in the garage. Um, so yeah, definitely dumplings also hard to eat without sauce. Like you need yeah. something, you know, what was but, his, uh, what was his dumpling company like called? I don't think, he, I don't know if he had a name. Honestly, I think he just did it pretty like grassroots. Like I'm like looking back, I'm yeah. like, did he have like, proper anything probably not it was mostly just friends it was like friends I think one of his friends owned like a Chinese restaurant so 
Also fun fact, I don't know if this is everywhere, but at least like around me, like if you go to like a restaurant and they have dumplings on the menu, you can always ask them to buy a bag of frozen dumplings to go. Like it's a standard thing. Like I didn't really know this until my parents told me, but if you're like, oh, these dumplings are delicious. You know, like when you go to pay, you can say, hey, can I get like, you know, a bag to go? And they have just like bags in the freezer ready to sell. And it's like totally normal. Yeah. You like walk home with like a Ziploc bag of dumplings. Like, I swear, I don't know. Try it out. I'm not sure if that applies like everywhere, but at least in the Bay Area, like that's a thing. Yeah. So you're telling me if I walk into a Chinese restaurant and they have dumplings and I'm like, yo, let me get a zip. Yes, exactly. A zip. Yeah. (laughs) And they'll be like, cool, here you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's That's a secret tip for anyone who's a fan of dumplings. Um. Cool. Awesome. Well, great check-in question. So, uh, yeah, the reason why we have this special episode today, soy sauce flavored episode is, uh, we all just got back from, uh, Oregon, Mount hood, and we had this amazing life-changing experience, um, two days on Hill at Timberline. And it was the first ever soy sauce nationals event with Snowboy productions. Shout out to crush. Um, yeah, so you, you two are the founders of this amazing event. And of course the Instagram account, soy sauce nation. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about how the event all came to be? Like, how did it go down? Well, AK and I, uh, we've been talking about doing something like this for a super long time, but, it, but we never really got in a space where we're like, yeah, we're let's do that next year. And then it kept being like next year. <laughs> and then uh, things aligned for this year and uh, crush reached out and like, do you want to do this? And we were like, yes, we can do this. And that was, that was a conversation back in 20, like the end of 2020. And then all of a sudden we're like, Oh crap. Like we're doing this. We got to get it together. Did you, did you, AK, did you like, did you both think about, Oh, we should do an event someday or was it like just something that kind of fell into your laps? I mean, we definitely always wanted to. And I think when crush reached out, that was kind of the tipping point where me and Nirvana were kind of sitting there in that moment being like, it's, it's really kind of now or never, you know, and Mm -hmm. we can't say that we're doing anything for the community. We don't do anything for the community. So that was kind of like the kick in the pants, so to speak, to really, to really push this thing moving forward. But um, once things kind of got into motion, I felt like, you know, ever since I've known Nirvana, we've kind of really been like, it seemed like we've kind of been really like working towards this point, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, seeing all of you guys from afar, so to speak, you know, um, you know, reaching, reaching out to people and actually people being really receptive to it. That like gave me a lot of confidence that like, this was not only going to be like a really fun event, but like really meaningful too. So, yeah. Yeah. I, when you DM'd me, I mean, we had never met before. I don't even, you don't like have a, pri- a personal insist. I don't even like know what you look like or anything, but I was just like, yes, like I will buy a ticket. Oh, I don't wow. care where I'm at. Like whatever needs to happen, I'll stop everything I'm doing and I will come. Um, just cause like, honestly, I never thought, yeah, it's, it started out as an Instagram account, which is amazing that like connects everyone, but I just didn't ever think about like in real life, you know? So when that came to fruition, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. How did you first hear about what me and Nirvana were doing with Soy Sauce Nation? Cause I felt like you were kind of on it 
like on the earlier side early on yeah yeah mm-hmm. i lurked pretty hard on instagram um i think it must have been through nirvana because like i knew nirvana through like the jetpack days of like the web you know the web series because i was uh you know doing mafia tv but i think i must have just saw it on your feed or something and i started following it and i didn't I didn't even know who was behind it initially. I was just like, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> so I must, I think it was just through Instagram at some point. And then just, I think the first batch of stickers you made, I think you sent me some. And from there it was just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um, I think that's like the favorite thing about like the community, just organically meeting people. Um, you know, for myself, like I remember when you reached out and I was like, Oh, Kim Woozy. Like, I know she does stuff in like the skate scene. And she works with Skate Like a Girl. My friend Terrence just got a job with Skate Like a Girl. So I hit up Terrence and I was like, hey, Terrence, like, what's up with Kim Woozy? And he sent me your TED Talk. And I remember listening to your TED Talk and I was like, oh, wow. Like, I hope we can get to that level uh, uh, one day. And I guess here we are now. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely a small, small world, small community. For sure. Um, you both actually work in the snowboarding industry, aka you work for Crab Grab and Nirvana. Now you work for Roxy. And then Nirvana, you've been a pro snowboarder for a while now. Um, do you feel that, you know, when this all happened, it was, um, you know, due to the fact that you are at these companies that support you and they were like, yeah, let's help you make this happen. Or like, what do you think that, you know, the kind of the industry presence had to do with like the fruition of this event? Um, I think, I think that this type of event and supporting something like this has been quite like a long time coming, honestly. I think Mm -hmm. that even if I didn't work at Roxy and I mean, Jenna, Jenna's at Roxy and I would have been able to reach out to her about supporting it. Um, I think that they would have supported it either way. Um, just because we're in the space, you know, that like people, people want to see more diversity in this space and the action sports space with surfing, snowboarding, skateboarding. I feel like it has really led the charge with, with that. So I, I do think that the companies are, are actually listening to what the people are wanting. Yeah. And it seems like the timing was just like, it, it sound, it, I, I can feel that like, yes, the industry is trying to move towards like a more inclusive, diverse direction in general, but then with everything that happened this year with COVID and like just the elevated sort of like, you know, race awakening, um, both with like George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, and then just the outward sort of like uh, violence and blame towards like the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Um, it seems like an event like this in terms of timing was just so impactful because we talked about how oftentimes, especially last year, everyone's like home, not a lot of things that like bring us joy. Um, it's so easy to like go into this place of stress, anxiety, fear, like hate, all these things. Um, so I guess my, my kind of question for you is like, how do you think an event like this that is so rooted in fun? Like we were just having a blast, right? There's like giant billboard soy sauce signs, like on a ski resort hill. Um, how do you think something like that can impact our community, people like us, and during a time like this? Man, I just think it's just the, 
like it's pretty i feel like especially trying to be like an asian snowboarder at some times like i think mikey shida our photographer on site was saying that at least one point within all of our snowboarding careers everyone who was at the the event there's always that sense of like man i'm like just that token asian guy and even when me and nirvana first met that first night i was just under the assumption that yeah this is the same thing i'm just the only asian person here you know and uh I know for myself, when I got to meet Nirvana and we became really good friends and then we started Soy Sauce Nation, she was like the first like Asian snowboard friend that I had that I would like actively go snowboarding like all the time, you know, and it made me feel like, I don't know, just pretty good about it all, you know, and I feel like having an event where I was like, oh, well, if me and Nirvana can make each other feel like this way for each other, you know, what would an event with like 50 of us make us feel like, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah, I've always said, like, you know, like, when we first started Soy Sauce Nation, there was, like, a big push for us to, like, oh, you guys should, like, make merchandise and sell, sell, sell. And, mm-hmm. you know, me and Nirvana, like, agreed from the very beginning where it was something where, like, hey, like, you know, we didn't, we didn't like, start Soy Sauce Nation to sell you what we are. We started Soy Sauce Nation as a way to help us understand who we are. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I feel like that's what it kind of allowed us to do. I guess an event like this in this sense has really come together. And have a better understanding of, of who we are and feel better about who we all are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Where has there been surprises? I mean, obviously the event itself is like so groundbreaking and amazing. Any other surprises along the way? Cause I'm sure when you both met, you know, at camp and then just made this Instagram account, I doubt you were like, yeah, someday we're gonna have this epic event and it's going to make history. I'm sure you were just like, cool. This is fun. I, I just feel like we, when we made stickers, and then we were like, are people going to want these? And people wanted them. <laughs> so many people wanted them. And we were like, oh, oh my gosh. Like people, people are making us sell out within less than 24 hours. Like this is nuts. And, but like AK said, it was selling things, but people just about the community. And that was, that was, I guess, unexpected in a way because yeah, people love that. People love stickers. I love stickers. <laughs> like, yeah. And then there's like something about getting to, cause like when we put a sticker on our board or anything, it's sort of like it's self-expression, right? So it's like, I back this brand, I back this company, this event, whatever it is. And then when there's one that's so specific for snow, like just like snowboard brand, skateboard brand stickers has already like said something about you. Right. But then if there's one specific for not only being a snowboarder, but also being Asian, like, I think that's why there's such a demand for like expressing ourselves that way. Cause like, yeah, we love stickers, but then one that just so specifically represents us takes things to the next level. And I think that's like a really interesting concept because yeah, historically, like usually most of us have grown up as like the only Asian kid in the squad or on the hill or whatever, right? On my flight home last night, I sat next to a guy lives in Atlanta. And he was saying, he was like, oh, my girlfriend, because I heard him speaking Korean. And I was like, hey, like, you know, Korean, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, my girlfriend's Korean, you know, chatting. Hey, where are you from? Yada, yada, yada. And he's like, oh, man, like my girlfriend, because he saw me looking at the photos. I was looking at the photos on my, of the event on my computer. And he was like, man, my girlfriend is like obsessed with snowboarding. And I was like, well, don't I have a sticker for her? (laughs) (laughs) And then Nirvana, you were telling me too that like, parents started reaching out to you which was probably like an unexpected thing yeah um a couple parents had reached out and the, I mean you know being trying to be a pro snowboarder being you know BIPOC female 
in this like space that's not necessarily like fostering people who look like me or us um I had parents like reach out and like ask me questions about like oh what what do you what do you think about this for sponsorship or like just talking contracts and and there is no there's no um direct way to becoming a pro snowboarder you know what I mean it's like there's no this is how you become a pro snowboarder or this is the school school course that you need to take and and so it was super interesting and like I'm more than happy to help like the insight that I could give for them because yeah I did I didn't have that growing up like it was a lot of trial and error yeah there's definitely no formula to like how to make it in this industry and definitely (laughs) I think just having someone that is relatable to reach out to you know makes such a difference and as much as Instagram can be you know gnarly and stressful I do think that it has brought a lot to subculture and even like marginalized communities because you finally get to see someone doing something very specific that you're like oh my god they love it too right because like growing up we didn't have it was just like magazines and like VHS tapes and like TV so like yeah never seeing like another like Asian kid snowboarder until you know fast forward so many years later or like hearing about it, but then not actually being able to see it. It's like so different than going to a page and seeing all these clips of all these different people from everywhere definitely changes. I think like how we relate to ourselves, you know, because I think for a lot of us just growing up, it felt like we were the only ones, like, I was just like, I'm an alien. Like no one, I'm so different and weird. And obviously that was harder when I was younger, but then as I got older, it was just like being able to embrace that. Um, Yeah. I think for me growing up, like I definitely had like being adopted. I had like certain identity issues where I was like, well, I'm Asian, but like I'm in a white family, like, like, like a you know, big Irish family, you know, um, but I'm not white, but like my white friends will say like, Hey, you're white, you know? And I think yeah. maybe that's why I gravitated so much into snowboarding because I was able to like identify as like a snowboarder, you know, yeah. first and foremost kind of thing. But uh, I think one thing that also, I don't know if you guys share the same sentiments about the event, but one thing that surprised me was just like, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize how much I needed this event, but also I, you know, it was crazy to me how like, how just easy everything was with all of you guys, you know, like, like I never met you or I never met Sadie or I never met Seema. And it was just, it was just like, we had been friends forever. It was crazy. Like people say that, but this was something where I was like, man, this is like really just like, it just felt so natural in a way, you know? Definitely. It's like, it's like we'd all been needing this for so long in the sense. I know, yeah. you know, looking back on it, that I guess I really did. So, Yeah, 100%. It's like, I feel like you already, there's already that about just like snowboarding, skateboarding, like action sports culture. Like you meet someone with a board and you already have like a common bond, but then having similar like ethnic background even just like adds another layer. So yeah, I felt like even though I had not met most people that were at the event and never met you both in person, it was like a re- it was like a family reunion where you like meet cousins you never met before. You're like, oh yeah, we're like the same, but we've never <laughs> talked. And like, this is the first time seeing you in real life, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it felt kind of like that for sure. How about for you, Nirvana? Like what, did you know most of the people or not so much or? Um, I feel like I knew, I want to say like half, half and half, mm-hmm. but, but definitely a, a lot of, a lot of people like you 
and the, um, Frank and Callan, like I had only met, I'd only been DM before all. And so, so that was, it was really cool. And like everyone that has been sharing like their experience, like it, it takes a lot to put yourself out there and put how you feel into words and then on paper and then on Instagram and like the amount of response and just like everyone's so down to share their experiences. I mean, like I read Kim's, uh, uh, Kim Lee's, yeah, her, her, uh, I was going through her, her experience and, and she'd sent it to me and I just like teared up, you know, and yeah, reading everyone at what everyone's been putting and like their experience, like it's been, I don't know, my heart is like super happy. Yeah, totally. It's funny because like while we're there, it's just like a high of adrenaline and stimulation and it was like a zillion degrees. But then I think coming home, just like reflecting on the experience, also um, having this space to like look at, look through the photos and the footage and then, you know, putting your thoughts together. It was interesting how so like even like Kaylee's post so vulnerable, like I had no idea that that's what and I stayed with her, you know, at the Airbnb. Um, I had no idea that that's like what she was dealing with, but to like, yeah, put yourself out there afterwards takes a lot of courage, but I also think that's part of like the healing from like whatever, you know, past incidents or just general, like not being belonging, like part of the healing is like putting your thoughts down on paper, putting it out there, then seeing others. Like that's what's so special is that everyone's like doing their post. And it's so cool to see it, like just a lot of the commonalities um, that you would never know, you know, if you didn't have the space like, hey, everyone's sharing. We all came together because um, a lot of people, I think, just deal with these things silently or they try to like sweep it under the carpet. And that's kind of where I wanted to ask you both, like have, you know, being in this industry that is, you know, historically you know, predominantly white, um, do you all have like personal experiences in terms of dealing with racism or incidents where clearly like, because of your identity, you know, someone was whatever way they were to you. And if you are willing to share. Yeah, that I, I would say a large portion would have to be these, uh, more on the side of like microaggressions and just subtle notes of of that and of like othering and and I think it's important for people to know that like this is you know we're in a new time in a new era and to be conscious of what you're saying is is super important um I remember back when I was competing heavily and and I was in I snowboarded up mountain high big bear which actually is like some of the more diverse mountains and I remember my dad telling me um, that I had to work, you know, X amount of times as hard because I wasn't white and I wasn't blonde, didn't have blue eyes, so I wasn't marketable. And and so I, you know, I that was a struggle for me, like career with my career and whatnot. But now it's like we're being celebrated, which this is being talked about. And like companies are bringing in people that can speak to these things and take hold of that narrative for future generations. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think you like prior to working at Roxy, that was sort of like 
the career direction you were moving in, yeah, was to like provide consulting for, you know, diversity inclusion, like inside the outdoor industry, inside the action sports industry. Yeah. Like that's something you were, you were taking on. Yeah. That was, uh, that when, when everything was happening, I was, I was like, wow, like companies, you know, are saying they want to expand their team saying they want to um, bring encourage and foster more diversity and you know like big part of that is having people behind the scenes that are a like aware of the issues and b like actually look like these people that they're trying to market instead of just kind of doing that surface level oh we have our, our team our BIPOC team here but then the person that's driving the story is white yeah oh so. yeah yeah. So that was definitely something I was pushing towards. Yeah. I think that's super important to like highlight and just emphasize for really any company, any industry. Cause it's like right now there is sort of like, you know, uh, I would say like a spark to like be better, to be more whole. And I think that sometimes the misstep is that they, yeah, just like check the box. And we see this with gender too. Right. Cause like, oh. you know, um, for a long time, like obviously action sports still very male dominated. And I was like, Oh, now we have a girl on the team. Like we did our job, you know, but it's different when you put like a woman in charge as the TM, as the marketing director, like whatever, someone at the table that actually has decision-making, you know, power. And then same on, you know, the, the side of race. Right. And so I think that, you know, for companies that are interested in moving that direction, like I always say, you got to like hire someone in like, that's how, that's the answer, you know? Cause they're like, Oh, how do we be better? How do we do this? And it's like, well, bring someone into your team and like, put your money where, where your mouth is by paying them, like put them on salary, you know, like give them benefits, like make them a part of your team. And that's how you will authentically succeed. And it's going to take time and investment and energy. It doesn't just happen overnight, but I think that's super important is to like be patient and not just like jump on the performative train. Cause everyone can see through that, you know? So. Yeah. Um, I wonder where that, like, where that mentality came from. Cause I've heard about that too, especially actually listened to one of one of your other podcasts and you were talking about how, when you had gotten a job with the skate company, they had like, they had just gotten some girls on the team, but then they did this photo shoot and they hired all these models for yeah. the photo shoot. And you were like, wait, how does that make sense? Yeah. You know, because, yeah. I feel like with soy sauce nation, we've always tried to not only be like, you know, like I said, like, you know, we always say like being Asian isn't, isn't what we do. It's who we are, but it's the same sentiment with being a snowboarder. You know, me and Nirvana have always just tried to been like just real snowboarders, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, I feel like that combination of both of those things kind of merging is kind of what's kind of uplifted the community as a whole. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because also it's like a snowboard brand. Okay. If you were like trying to build a brand new skate brand, a snow brand, like all these brands, like when they started, you would never like just have non snowboarders or non skateboarders or non surfers and then just pay for a photo of a snowboarder like that kind of that's like what Hollister did with surfing you know or something like that right where it's like very clearly just some company with money from with some capital trying to sell the lifestyle like everyone obviously knows that Hollister is like not a real surf brand so to try to approach that like I think for a lot of folks who like are like oh we're trying to understand how to do this this is like the same thing you would never have a TM on a skate or snowboard brand that doesn't skate or snowboard or surf brand, you know, you would never have a marketing director that like, doesn't at least participate in those things. I'm not saying they have to be like pros, you know, but 
Um, so same thing, if you're trying to like diversify your audience, you would bring in someone of that identity, not just like try to like, I don't know, uh, like expose them, you know, and say, Hey, look, this is what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. It's just like, it's an easy concept, but I think a lot of brands have struggled with it. That was like one of the most gratifying things of the event for me probably was when I, uh, was when you gave me your camera actually came and you're like, Hey, can you take a picture of all the ladies next to like the soy sauce logo? And I don't know if you saw me, but like I, I put the camera up and then I, I put it down for a second. And that was like, for me, because I remember starting this with Nirvana and even recently we've, we've made the soy sauce nation, like its own company. So we can, you know, really, really start to grow this community. But, um, you know, I remember us agreeing on it, like, Hey, this needs, like, we're going to set the tone, even the way that we set up the company, it's going to be 50% male, 50% female. And like seeing all the ladies just show out for the event and the attendance truly being 50, 50, I was like, it was, it was insane. I was, I was so, so humbled by by all of that. Yeah, definitely. Like in terms of gender identity, I felt like I was surprised because I was like, is there going to be like three girls here <laughs> and a bunch of dudes, but it wasn't, and it was awesome. And I think just also next level, like expanding to, you know, I think snowboarding, I, there's not, I don't, it's not that they're not out there. I just think that they had the messaging and the invitation hasn't been there yet, but also to like our non-binary friends and our trans friends. Right. So like that is also the next level. But, um, I think in terms of, yeah, just like in ages too, like I thought in, in, you know, like it's so intergenerational, but I loved, I wasn't expecting to see like families there and there was, you know, um, like Callan and you know her dad and a few other you know parents and their kids and I thought that was really special too um so it was really cool that I feel like for such a small kind of grassroots event that came together against all the odds like you all did a really great job making sure like there was kind of the whole you know everything every piece was there um I guess to back up real quick because I forgot to ask you this in the beginning um, can you guys share just your, yeah, your background, your ethnicity, like just the whole, you know, not the whole biography, but just for folks, you know, to get real specific, but the, the funny question we were asking on the chairlift is like, what Asian are you, <laughs> which I don't <laughs> yeah. recommend asking that in outside of the context of like this event, but you know what I mean? Sure. Um, so I'm Korean. I was adopted when I was about four months, um, into a very big, uh, Irish family. Hence the last, my full name for those who don't know is Andrew Kelly. That's where the AK comes from. Um, not Asian kid, as a lot of people have assumed. That was, when you asked earlier, have you experienced any like blatant racism or microaggression? That was definitely one of them. You so know? did someone say that to you? Someone said that. Or someone wow. asked my boss, like, hey, is this what it stands for? Kind of thing. And wow. you know, at that point, like you're a young kid trying to make a name for yourself in the industry. And you know, I kind of went along with it. And then at the end of it, I kind of felt like I was just like, damn, I'm a sellout, you know, like that's, you know, and that's what Soy Sauce Nation's kind of allowed me to do is feel, feel a lot better about just being who I am and, and helping others feel, feel the same way. But yeah, so I'm adopted into a big, big Irish family. Uh, interesting thing with Soy Sauce Nation, there's like probably 20 adopted Asians, you know? Yeah. So again, with the identity thing that I was talking about, like someone asked me like, oh, what was it about snowboarding that like, that you think drew all of you guys in together. And I can't speak for the rest of them, but for myself, it was just the fact that like, oh, being a snowboarder, I got to identify as something for the first time ever, you know? And I, you know, I was lucky. I had a lot of really good friends that I grew up snowboarding with that like, they actually, a couple of them, when I first, uh, when me and Nirvana first started Soy Sauce Nation, they were the one that told me about people like Steve Lauder, you know, or mm -hmm. Jack, Jack Thonville from Minnesota who 
unfortunately at the event, but yeah, so that's yeah. my ethnicity I'm Korean. For sure. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I was surprised to me actually. Um, cause I was just curious. I was like trying, I was asking everyone that I met, you know, like what's your background and all that. And it was like, I grew up in the Bay area. So there's tons of Asians here, but I didn't know that many. I don't think I have any actually friends that were adoptees. So until later, like, you know, meeting folks like around from around the world. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And that was, um, obviously like, you know, a, a whole different experience. And I think one of the big takeaways from the event for me was that sure. Like Asian American API, that's like uh, a term that was actually, I think, um, invented by some students at San Francisco, San Francisco state during, you know, the civil rights movement, um, to sort of like form like solidarity, solidarity, like a coalition, but also at the same time, just using that statement really doesn't cover, you know, the individuality and the uniqueness. Cause there's so many ethnicities, so many cultures represented. And that was what I thought was really cool about the event because there was like Chinese, Korean, Japanese, Filipino, um, Annie's Laotian, I think Cody's half Thai, um, Seema is, you know, half Indonesian, half Persian. So it's just like, I think that takeaway is that we're all, you know, actually very unique. Like all of our experiences are different, you know, and like hanging out with summer and Kaylee, like summer's half Filipino and just talking about how even in her family, she's like, you know, not Filipino enough or too white or whatever it is. Um, and then Kaylee actually is half Korean, but her mom is an adoptee from Korea. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it's so cool to learn about everyone's different experiences. And it is very unique. Like my experience is definitely not the same as yours. Right. Um, I grew up with like, my high school was like 50% Asian, like mostly Chinese from Taiwan and then lots of Indian kids. Cause I grew up in Silicon Valley. So it's like everyone's parents came here to basically be an engineer. Um, but for me, I always felt different too, because I loved playing sports and most of the, you know, the Asian kids around me were like, you know, uh, piano prodigies or like chess or something, you know, like, and I was like, ah, oh, like, I can't relate to that. And I don't want to do that. Um, so did you, have, did you have a good mix of like, you know, like Asian friends in high school, as well as like, you know, like well, friends. it was interesting because I grew up, um, it was a mix. Like when I was younger, like it was more diverse and we had family friends. So like definitely lots of like Asian kids around me, even when I started skiing as a kid, like my parents would go with their fam with their friends, you know, who are also from Taiwan, but then they eventually stopped doing it. And then as I got older in high school, I actually like gravitated more towards like having white friends because I think. I didn't like the idea of being sort of like considered an outsider or foreigner, even though my school was like, so like so many Asians, I felt like in society, all we had at that time was like TV and magazines and, and movies and that there wasn't that representation. So in my head, I was like, well, this, in order to be Asian, you have to look like this and do this. And for me being a, a girl, it was like, wear a dress, play piano, like get good grades, like be graceful. And I was like, I don't want to do any of those things. I'm like, I want to wear like, jeans and like roll around in the grass and get dirty or whatever. Right. Um, so I resisted that for sure. And I think by gravitating towards sports and action sports, I definitely felt like I was trying to like prove like my ability to like fit in and have like social capital, which that's not the terms that I used in high school. I was just like, let me dye my hair blonde and wear surf brands and no one will notice and I'll be cool. But obviously that is just youthful, naive thinking. 
Um, so yeah, for me, it was just like a weird, like looking back, like action sports is what I levitated towards to try to fit in. It was like, in order to like suppress my Asian-ness, um, cause I was like, this is like the whitest thing I could do. And then people will accept me. And then obviously later seeing more Asian snowboarders, like, especially with skateboarding too, in the Olympics this year, like, you know, Japanese young, super young Japanese girl shredders. Like it just like really came full circle for me. I was like, wow. Like if I had that when I was young, I probably would have been like a lot more proud to be Chinese, you know, or from Taiwan. So yeah. Anyways, um, Nirvana, how about you? Like, yeah, your, your ethnicity and, you know, just sort of your experience growing up. Um, so I'm, I'm Phil and, uh, I'm, uh, I actually have, I have dual citizenship and, uh, it's super interesting though, because, uh, when I, you kind of talk about this kind of in between, right. Or like summer was mentioning the in between. And even as like a full Filipino person, I still get that in between where they're like, oh, you're not, you don't speak the language. You can't speak the language. You're not, you're not Filipino enough or you can't be in the club and, and it's fine, but it's definitely like, I experienced that more recent recently when I went to the Philippines for the first time as an adult. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is a thing. And (laughs) I'm going to have to deep dive into myself with feeling okay about that. But, uh, but other than that, I grew up in San Diego. Uh, my parents uh, met in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and they moved down there because the rest of my family had immigrated, and half of them are in San- SF, half of them are in San Diego. And uh, my dad grew up surfing, and then we kind of just, once I stopped living with my my grandma um we lived on by the beach and surfing was my first sport and then my mom didn't swim from the philippines doesn't swim because she grew inland really and uh yeah she doesn't know how to swim <laughs> so she never got into surfing and so one season my dad was like let's go to big bear like let's go to snow summit and all like my brother was five four or five just old enough to get tossed on a board and we all love to do it so then yeah we got season passes that that next year and just went up every weekend weekend warrior style that's awesome did your so both your parents are from the philippines like they immigrated here so my mom is my mom immigrated and then my dad is first gen okay gotcha yeah so did he he grew up surfing in california Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So okay. they, they grew up kind of, he, they, he was like an army, like an army brat. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he moved around a lot, but then once they settled down. Yeah. It's interesting also too, like the different experiences being from like the West coast, especially in California, that is a lot more diverse versus like, yeah. I thought it was cool that a lot of the folks that came out to the event were from like places like Minnesota and uh, like New Hampshire or wherever. Right. So I'm curious, like, do you feel like, cause AK now you, you live in California, but you're from, you know, Baltimore in the East coast. Like, did you, do you feel there's like a difference in terms of culture when it comes to, um, I don't know, like how people perceive like Asians, like either in snowboarding or just in general. 
I don't know. I again, I was actually pretty fortunate too because I grew up around a lot of a lot of Asian people, and then mm. I worked as a sales rep in the Mid Atlantic uh, for a lot of snowboard different snowboard companies, and that was a really special scene being like a sales rep in that agency. You know, the, the Mid Atlantic sales group for snowboard hard goods reps is 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 pretty cool because like it's the only two it's the only it's the only territory where there's like two black hard goods snowboard reps. Mm. You know which is like, I thought was always like really inspiring for me to see those guys like do their thing. And like, they're both like older, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't, uh, you know, there's bad people everywhere you go and there's good people everywhere you go. And I yeah. think for me personally, it, it's always just been like seeing the, seeing the best in everyone. So sometimes I feel like I have a I kind of turn rose on colored, rose colored lenses. Yeah, for sure. Or blue yeah. light lenses, whatever the situation calls for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um i don't know i just i can't wait to see you guys again honestly <laughs> yeah. i think that's a good thing though because you having more of like a positive outlook and just meeting you you're like i'm everyone's camp counselor like anyone yeah. who works with kids and like programming you have to like have that attitude yeah. otherwise like you're not gonna like your job but i do think that's valuable because it allows us to like have space for fun and joy right because it's so easy like to see how you know uh, racism affects people in different ways, but it's so easy to like, let it win by just being angry and sad and like resentful. Um, so to be able to like channel the joy and the fun, I think is so crucial. And I hope that more folks can be inspired by that. Cause obviously if you skate and snowboard and surf, like you are someone that like has to know how to have fun. You can't like be super serious doing those things. So I think we intrinsically, we already have that because of that, you know, that, that culture, that sport that we participate in. Um, but I also think that that is what I hope, you know, other maybe Asian kids who don't have the access to these activities can try to find, you know, through whatever means. But I think just like channeling the celebration aspect is super important. So if that's through food, which it is for a lot of people through maybe dance through like whatever movement or like not move, maybe music, you know, like um, like growing up, I knew a lot of kids that were DJs, like just cause of the scene here, but I think that's so important. And it's like, we have to make sure we emphasize the joy and the fun. Cause that is one way to really transform, you know, these structural sort of like systems. Um, and that's why I love, you know, just like I was, I think I was telling you at the event, AKA, I was like, I love that you bring so much humor to it. Cause like we forget, you know, like it's so easy, especially as you get older to like be serious and be like, oh, the world is horrible. Like America is gnarly. For sure. For sure. And me and Nirvana always talk a lot, too, is like the, the main one of the main goals is just to create like really impactful dialogue. And I think there's a lot of people where like it kind of comes down in, from my perspective of like, you know, like proximity when people are close, you know, it breeds like more understanding. But distance is when people like, you know, this group saying, hey, like, you guys don't do this right or you're racist and this group being like, no, we're not, but they don't, they don't come together ever, yeah. you know? So again, it's like distance, in my opinion, kind of bring, breeds like fear and misunderstanding and hatred, uh, which leads into other, a lot more terrible things. Whereas like proximity, when people are close, you know, it's like almost like rather than telling, this is, this is a camp counselor, like one-on-one, like rather than like telling a kid, like, hey, don't do that. It's like sometimes more impactful to ask them not to do that. You know, like, hey, instead of throwing that snowball, you know, at miles, hey, would you mind not throwing that snow? You know, so it's just it changes your tone a little bit and makes it it creates the dialogue a little bit more and also empowers the other person to feel like that 
you know, Choice. they can change, you know, rather than yeah. just being like yelled and told what to do. So definitely. I guess on that same vein, Nirvana, do you have advice for like folks in the industry, say marketing director at a brand in the action sports industry was curious how to like be better, to be more inclusive, to be more diverse. Um, but they're like scared to talk about it because they don't want to offend anyone or they just don't want to look stupid. Like what advice would you have for them? I, I would have them to first maybe reach out to somebody that they know to open up that conversation because it, it, it's one thing when, when you reach out to someone you don't know and you're like, you're basically like, Hey, you're Asian. Like, can you find these Asian people for me to do this campaign? Like that is just not, not the way you want to go about it. It's just getting to know people. And, and it's like, why don't you take the time to get to know these, like somebody, yeah. you know, yeah, definitely. Uh, and open up that conversation instead of being like, we want to push this. And do you know those? Cause at that point, it's like, you're not doing any of the work. You're not, you're not really like looking into the community, but I, I think there, there aren't stupid questions. You know, if people are scared, yeah. it's like, think about how, how we feel putting ourselves out there. Yeah. And like, I think that's scary. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so it's, it's just having that connect, like, establish a connection talk yeah. about it. it's it's as simple as a dm nowadays for sure yeah and i would say also too like there are people out there doing that professionally like that was kind of the route you were going down but even for um like the black community and the outdoor space like i'm seeing on instagram it's pretty obvious like okay here's a website like here's their contact info like fill out this like submit info at form so there's people doing it and um that are you know doing it professionally and like are, are ready to educate and to consult. And, um, I think companies should pay them if they do it professionally. Um, and also like attend all the resources, like even how Cole, Matt from Cole connected with me and Seema, he watched a panel that we were on called women of color and action sport that was put on by Linfield university. Like he came to the panel. I always wonder, I'm like, is anyone listening to these things? Like, Hey, industry people. And I'm like, ah, there's probably like only my friends listening to this, but he came like, listened to the panel and then emailed us. Cause we already worked together through skate. Like a girl it was like pretty lightweight. Like I'd never met him in person and then was just like ready to listen to anything suggestions we had to say. And then when this came, this event came about, we reached out to him. We're like, Hey, this, we, this is an idea we have. Like, we want to do this. Like, could we do this? Like, do you have a budget? And so I just feel like that was a really organic way, um, to just like develop, you know, that sort of, uh, I don't know, like that diversity, um, and to like be open to learning as well versus like, this is our plan. Like, we want you to do this. Like, can you do this for us? And this is like, what, like, a that might not make sense and be like, maybe we don't want to do that, you know? So, um, and I know like, I'm going to, you know, talk to Seema too about this on the second half of the pod, but like, we've also seen situations where, you know, you were asked to like be part of a photo shoot and then, you know, like you didn't even realize like they were kind of, you know, it was like a little bit like not fully a conversation and just like all of a sudden your face is like on some campaign and you're just like, wait, what? Like (laughs) I would have liked to have known what your intentions were. Yeah, exactly. I guess just kind of to like wrap things up, is there, you know, what, what is the future for Soy Sauce Nation? Like, I think 
a lot of folks were seeing what was happening, you know, on Instagram. And obviously this was a first event and it came together last minute and we're working against logistics of a pandemic. Um, but for, you know, all of our friends and fam out there who obviously couldn't attend, but identify with a community, like what can they hope to see moving forward from, you know, the account or the company, I guess now in the event, like any future plans, or are you still kind of just like trying to recover from this past trip? I would say more than an Instagram, more than a company, like always still try to be a community first and foremost. Um, but, you know, Nirvana and I, you know, we, we understand that we don't know everything and we're still learning too. Um, Nirvana, I hope it's okay. I bring this up, but like we had a girl reach out to us shortly after the event and she goes, Hey, love what you guys are doing, but like, could you be more specific about what kind of Asian people you guys are representing? Because I'm from a Western Asian country that most people don't know is even a part of Asia. And like, we are really underrepresented, you know? And I was like, me and Nirvana talked about it and we're like, you know what? She's, she's right. She's like, absolutely right. And like, we have this platform. And uh, so that would be something that I would really like to start moving forward with getting writers from like, you know, India or like when people think of Asia, they, 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 yeah, they certainly probably think of like Eastern Asia, Eastern Asia, you know, and, you know, and and that girl was confused because in the bio I had put like the yellow pages, you know, and and that's, but that's actually a nod to my dad who uh, worked for this company called Bell Atlantic. And they used to make the actual yellow pages book back in the day. It's just funny. Like it's funny. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He told me that it was like a catalog of like, you know, all the businesses. And I was like, well, that's what soy sauce nation is. It's a catalog. It's you a know? curated account of all Asian snowboarders that you come across. And when you learn about a new one, you like post about them, right? So for sure. But yeah. you know, we we're always trying to listen first. So maybe this is something where it would be a good tie-in to ask you, Sima and Sadie, but from your guys' perspective, what's something that you would like to see us do more? And what's something that, you know, for the next event that make sure that we can we can even have more of an impact? You know, what would you guys like to see? So sorry to, you know, shoot the question back your way, but uh, it's something that you know, we would really appreciate uh, to have the insight on. So, no, that's great. That's a perfect demonstration of like being open to listening and learning, but also just like credit to you all. Like, it's not easy to start something. It's definitely not easy to put yourself on the internet and then have an event. Like, you're, there's always going to be people who have some judgment or criticism or didn't like how this happened or this didn't happen. But I think it's part of it is just like doing it, you know, and like we with skate like a girl, we deal with that all the time. You know, we're like literally inclusivity is like in our mission statement, but we get lots of comments and DMS about how, you know, someone doesn't like how we use this or don't do this, or you should do that. And part of it is like when you're creating space for folks who historically haven't been included, um, you can't make it equal for everyone. You know, the whole point is that like, in order to be inclusive, like you know, we say that like inclusivity and exclusive exclusivity exist in a paradox. So it's like, it can't be for everyone. And that's the whole point. Otherwise, like, you know, we wouldn't need to do what we do. So, um, but I do think there's ways to grow and evolve and listen to folks. Right. Um, and that's a great example of like how to expand in a way that makes sense, but that's like, it gets into sort of like this, um, you know, like never ending pathway where, you're like, okay, let's open it up to everyone. And then it's like, all of a sudden it's like, all lives matter, you know? And it's like, wait, that's not what we're like. The whole point was to create space. Right. So, but I think it's good to weigh out, you know, cause we get that all the time. We're like, Hey, can like, you know, I have a daughter that wants to come to summer camp. Like, can her brother come? Like her brother is this and that. And it's like, 
So we always have to think about, okay, who is this program for? What's our mission, right? And then know that at the end of the day, there are going to be some people who can't participate because we're trying to create, you know, like maybe for that six-year-old brother, he can sign up for the other other summer camp, you know, that's for all genders. Or maybe we do have all gender camps actually. So we've evolved as well. We're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like, you know, um, so I think it's just a matter of, you know, continuing to, to open that, to keep that dialogue open, but to also know that like, again, just so much credit to you both, like what you're doing is like historical, it's like epic, it's all the things. And like, I acknowledge the, just the, the, the willingness, the courage, the hard work, the time, the energy, the vulnerability that it takes to like put yourself out there and do something for other people. Like that is like no question in terms of, I don't think people realize how much time and energy, emotional labor that goes into it. Um, so just know that like, you're doing a great job and you're doing enough and there's always going to be a drive to like do more and do better. How could we do this and that? But I also think like, I've been around for a a long time. I feel old now, but one of the most valuable things is for someone to tell you, like, you're good enough. You're doing a good enough job. Like just you doing it is already a huge win. Right. So, and we're always looking for improvement and perfection, but to not let that get in the way of just existing, you know? So yeah, the best, Kim. that was great. <laughs> That's my big sister advice. Um, and it's awesome. important to have that, those cheerleaders, you know, because yeah. without that, you're always in your head about like, Oh, we could have done this or done this or whatever, you know, um, yeah, it was me and Nirvana after the event, we were, it was me Nirvana and Ted and we went and got like Asian food, obviously and <laughs> yeah. eating sushi. I'm eating like yakisoba. And like, we didn't even say anything for five minutes. Then we just all look at each other and just start laughing, you know? And uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely all worth it. So, you know. Nice. Yeah. I ate so much Asian food when I got back to Portland. Cause <laughs> it was ironic. Cause the whole time we were in Timberline, we had like hot dogs and like, yeah, I don't yeah. know, you know, it was like, we just, food was like, not even like, we were just like trying to get to the, you know, event. And after being around everyone, I was like, I need to eat Asian food, but luckily Portland has like amazing restaurants and some of the best. Yeah. And like, we'll, uh, figure out how to incorporate that next year. We're saying like a potluck or something. Yeah. sponsor. That's something that I would like that we, yeah, me and Nirvana have already talked about is doing some kind of food element, obviously. Yeah. I feel like that's such a big component too. Yeah. I was like getting hungry after we did our intro question. Um, any last shout outs? Like I know it, what it took a lot to, for this event to happen, obviously crush from snowboard productions and smiley, their family, like a lot of time and energy, um, the brands involved. Do you guys want to give any shout outs to who helped make it happen? Yeah. The, the timberline diggers who huge, made, huge, huge made that, you know, that happen for us. Thank you very much, Jeff and crew. And then uh, Roxy with uh, Jenna and uh, die cut stickers. Now, Jenna, if you're watching this, you're the fucking best. Sorry. Shout out to Jenna. Yeah, you can bleep that out. Ah. She, <laughs> she she did a last like a, a few last moment things that like really really set us up for success. And so yeah, Jenna, if you're watching this, um, thank you again for everything. Um, I'll take a quick second just to thank my bosses at Crab Grab. Uh, so everyone that doesn't know Crab Grab's a small snowboard company, but it's owned by a husband and wife. And uh, they've honestly just been my biggest fans 
like forever. And especially my, you know, Preston and his wife, Dawn. Dawn, she's like my hero, you know? She's, uh, yeah, she's like one of the only female CEOs of a snowboard company and owner of a snowboard company in snowboarding. And, you know, Soy Sauce Nation has always been real to her, you know? And she is, uh, she's been like the biggest source of inspiration and, uh, and Preston too, with just like the way his, his thing is just their encouragement, so nice yeah shout out shout out to those guys shout out to chris beresford dang shades been one of my favorite snowboarders for a really long time man so yeah this came through yeah so sick and then shout out to every single person that 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 came that that came out you know and then also shout out to there's a lot of asian kids that unfortunately couldn't make it with such a short turnaround and uh you know i know it feels like we all had such a good a good time with what we did but we like I certainly missed all those guys and, and next year I'm going to work really hard to make sure that we give everyone, you know, enough leeway and head time and, uh, you know, to, to get, to get those people out there. Cause, um, you know, they are the soy sauce nation too. So. Yeah. I think it is just going to get better right from here on out. And like, definitely like, I think some, of, when I think about some of the big names in terms of representation, like Jess Kimura, Chloe Kim, like they put, you know, Asian girls on the map for sure. Like super hard. Um, yeah. So shout yeah. out Jess Kimura actually. I can't say why right now, but yeah. Shout out Jess. Kimura. Big shout out. Big shout out. Yeah. Also shout out to her being like the meme queen on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All right. Any uh, last comments for you, Nirvana? Um, also thank you to we are camp high cascade. Yes, we, we got to do a, some, we had a skate session, but it was kind of just like, because we were there, but to figure out how to It'd do be something. Fun to yeah. Incorporate, yeah. Some off hill activity. Definitely. Cool. All right. Well, thank you both so much for your time and also just like making the dream happen. You know, like I think for a lot of us, it was really life-changing and it sounds cheesy, but it's just true because you really just like can't even know what it's like until you have a physical experience, you know, and Instagram is great, but it's not the same. Um, so just, you know, huge thank you. And I think, you know, I can speak for everyone that was there that it was just like, yeah, it was like a pivotal moment. I think for many of us to like understand ourselves, to appreciate ourselves. And then of course, like feel less alone, you know, in this space of snowboarding, but also just in the world. So Super, yeah, super I, appreciate I keep, you I keep both. thinking about like uh, Seema's article that she wrote for the snowboard mag where at the end she just says like something along the lines of like, man, like what a, what a crew, 